What's up, guys? Welcome to episode nine of the Simulacra podcast. Almost to the tenth one. Almost next week. Today we have our friend Anthony. Is it Lay or Lee? God. Lee. Lee. Okay. Yeah. Lee same thing happened last episode. I should have asked the name before. Um, but yeah, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Well, yeah. Hello, everybody. Uh, yeah, my name's Anthony. I'm 19 years old. I'm a film major. I go to UNLV. Uh, also a, uh, a Clark alumni. Um, sorry, I never said that before. But yeah, I went to Clark. And um, yeah, I'm excited to be on the podcast. It, podcasts are cool. And uh, sometimes, yeah, everyone should just Check out some more podcasts. I have recommendations too, if you'd like. Yeah, Pod, podcasting is fun, and you can learn a lot from them too. There, it's a it's a lot better to you know sit down and watch a podcast than just scroll through social media for an hour. For real, yeah. we're all guilty of that. Um, but yeah, first question: film major isn't the most popular thing nowadays. You know, people sort of tend to take a safe route. Uh, how did you get into film? How did you find your passion? Um, well, it's uh, something that's, uh, I guess, always been a part of my life. Uh, growing up, my mom would take me to Blockbuster every weekend, rent out like three or four movies. That's how I spend my weekends, you know, just watching movies, all sorts of movies. Um, and for me, like DVDs were actually like, I know they're sort of dying now, but like for me, it was actually very formative in, in, in terms of me developing my love for film. Because uh, things like special features were great just for learning like, oh, this is what, what it means to make a movie or like like director's commentaries and stuff like that. It's things I still listen to because it's just so informative about just the process of, uh, in general. Um, but, you know, like most people, movies just seems kind of like a leisure, like pastime sort of thing. And um, I went more of the academic group, um, like math and science. That's why I ended up at Clark in the AMSAT program. Um, but starting in middle school, the middle school I went to, um, they all gave us iPads, you know, to, it was like, like a, a big thing because, uh, we, uh, I don't know, just innovative learning and stuff like that. But, you know, like it, it went how you would expect. Most kids have games on, on there, just playing games or whatever. But me, I had iMovie. And so just in middle school, I just make, make, um, videos and stuff for school projects or just for fun and just edit together. And, and you know, it's, a like most things learn, learn, learn by doing. And so I just kept, I kept up with it, you know? And then when I got to high school, again, math and science and stuff like that. But um, I guess the real turning point was my freshman year. So any of you Clark students listening, uh, Mr. Weller for math. Oh, I, I had a, him too. Yeah, I made a video for his class. Um, I had a really fun time doing that. And I don't know, just uh, showing it to class, the, just great audience reaction. And uh, I don't know, that's what I guess uh, ignited the fire. But I didn't really acknowledge or accept that until later on because like i would all i would do is make videos and stuff um but i just thought i don't, I don't know why and, and um until i think i probably not even until like the end of my junior year i'm like nah you know i think i want to be a filmmaker like for reals you know and um the whole time yeah just watching movies making stuff um i guess the traditional like filmmaker story they say like on the weekends i get my friends bring them to my house and we'd make stuff uh and uh yeah it's just something i love like I'm in love. I genuinely in love with you. Yeah, yeah. You're calling, as you said. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and you were able to keep up with it, you know, in a program that's focused mostly on math and science, you were able to keep up with the love for film. And so you just made movies on the side during high school. 
Yeah, I mean, most of my my the stuff I made in high school was like for school projects. Um, but I mean, most people would just do like a PowerPoint presentation or something like that. But I always ask them like like, can I just make a video instead? And most of them were cool with it. So um, just taking advantage of that. And then I mean, over the summers and stuff, I would just do more just uh, things for fun. Um, yeah, things I, I only show like like actually just like a really close group of friends, like 10 or 15 people. Um, and so I have those all just saved in, on, a, on a hard drive. But um, yeah, I just always making stuff. And sometimes I would just make stuff because I'd be inspired. So I'm moving like, I want to do something like that. And so I just try to do, uh, replicate or recreate that. But um, yeah, and not just making stuff, but like, uh, I feel like it goes hand in hand just watching stuff too and, and really just being a sponge absorbing so much because um, there, there literally is a lot out there for such a young art form, like in terms of film, um, not just American stuff or new stuff, but just going back classic films and foreign films as well. There's, it's just, it's such a rich medium to me at least um, that uh, has a lot to offer. And now that you actually are in college, taking a film major, what kind of assignments do you guys do? Do you still get that opportunity to make movies? No, it's great actually. You know, it's a uh, right now. I guess I'm 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 uh, living the dream because my first semester or my first year of uh, of it was mostly like gen eds and introductory classes. So uh, a lot of those were just like watching films and and talking about it, which I didn't mind. Like I really liked that. And to me, I felt like that was a good idea because it helped like filter out um, all the people who weren't there for the right reasons. If you can't sit through Citizen Kane or like Bicycle Thieves, um, maybe you should look at something like I don't know, go into engineering, do your thing, you know. But um, now um, I'm taking an editing class, an acting class, a cinematography class, and a directing class. And yeah, all my classes every week, I'm just making something and I bring it to class and just show them, and you get feedback and you just learn by doing um but um it's been great uh i guess specifically specifically for something like film it really is about networking though and just like meeting and talk meeting and talking to new people um and potential collaborators you know finding people you like and you want to work with is really important and it's i feel like a little different than other majors where like maybe you're just in and out you do your work and you're done like yeah. not Film is like something where when class is over, you should maybe wait like five minutes or 10 minutes because you never know what can be going on. I mean, some of like some of my experiences just this year just came from just like listening, talking to people. And then yeah, once they know, once they know your name, I mean, you're, you're set. Like, oh, Anthony, don't forget yeah. to have him. I was just shooting a documentary last week in Reno, actually. And the, the director, I met him on a, a different set. And um, he texted me one night, hey, I'm leaving tomorrow morning. I'm shooting the stock. You want to come? and just take it take advantage of the opportunities like that because uh you never know never know and your professors probably know a lot of people in that industry too so yeah yeah um my acting professor he's actually in top gun and um and uh, what is it uh oh, really yeah and, and all sorts of stuff so he has he has great stories and then my cinematography professor he actually lives in la and then he just flies over here like for two days of the week to teach us. And then he goes work back in LA. So, I mean, they do have a lot of interesting stories and um, uh, like a lot of just, I, I don't want to say like industry connections, but like we do get like interesting people, like just like guest speakers that come every week just for right. a class, just to talk. And so that's just really fun and informative to find um, like, it's one thing to like, you can look up, you can look up like Martin Scorsese or Steven Spielberg or whoever, whoever you like on YouTube and watch an interview of them for an hour. But it feels so far removed, right? They feel like, a, like to me at least, yeah. like some sort of leg a legend or god. 
but to have someone like in a zoom call like this, talk to you is, it, it, I don't know. It's really, it really means a lot to me at least uh, having access to things like that. Um, and um, we were talking about this before, but just in terms of resources, like on the uh, school computers, having like the whole Adobe suite, so I can just edit there for free if I wanted to um, and uh, things like that. It's been fun. Cause those, those softwares are pretty expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about it. Um, so you're just 19 years old and it seems like you found, you know, your passion. And, and we talked about this earlier, you know, you're basically a kid until your early twenties, but it's not expected for you to have everything figured out. What do you have to say for people that, you know, are going to go to college soon and still don't really know or haven't found that one thing that they could just never get tired of? Um, I guess the main advice for like that is just knowing that that's okay. Like, I feel like, especially coming out of high school, people are like, what's next, you know? And it's okay to say, I don't know. I mean, it's probably a little embarrassing and you gotta be a little brave, but that's probably the most bravest thing you can do is admit that you don't know something. Um, and cause that's the only, that's the only way you can actually progress. You know, I know a lot of people say fake it to make, making stuff like that. But for me, I found actually, it's count, quite counterintuitive to how I've developed as a person. For me, it was always just, I don't know, admitting things. Just tell the truth. Yeah. He's the best policy. Yeah, yeah. And, and specifically being honest with yourself. Because I know there's like, a lot, for a lot of people, outside pressures, whether it be parents, your peers, or just life in general, that like you're scared that you're going you know, to have to struggle financially or whatever it may be. Learning that, that to find something that you either you know that you're good at or that you know that you can be good at because you have the passion for it is really important. So like they say, like in college, just like take that photography class if you want, or take that philosophy class if you want. Definitely. And, um, and yeah, I guess networking can go beyond just film in terms of talking to people who you you admire or, or you like something about them and, and learning why they're like that can, can really open your mind up to a whole bunch of different opportunities, experiences, or just ways of thinking. Um, so yeah, especially that first year of college, test the waters, go to a meeting, talk to people. Um, and I know college can be expensive or sometimes, so there's other, there are, there's other routes outside of high school too. I mean, I have friends who just started working straight out of high school. Some of them went to college, some didn't even join the military and there's nothing wrong with any of those things as long as you're comfortable doing them. Um, Yeah. And sort of you're just peer pressured that college is, you know, the only way to sort of have security in life. But I mean, I don't know. One thing that does bother me about people and their perception of education or especially college is that they treat it like trade school where like, I don't know, a lot of people, they, they say this in high school and stuff like that, like about math or whatever, whatever the subject would be like, I'm never going to use this in my real life. Like, I don't know why I'm learning this the, to me. Like I love calculus and things like that because like besides from the actual equations and formulas, it teaches you like the fundamentals of problem solving and things that are really applicable to your life in so many different ways. And to really just ignore that or just to put it aside, it's very just not productive. Um, and so for college too, like education to me still feels like something that's like an intangible gift that is, or just crap yeah. that you, you, you form for yourself that um, it's really just for you. And, and, and uh, I don't know, make you more, I don't, I don't want to say a better person or more interesting, but in a sense, yeah. Um, you definitely get to grow. You know, you're meeting a lot of people. You're taking classes that you probably are more interested in. You're learning a lot. 
and you're learning, especially from people that are smarter than you. I feel like that's where you learn the most. Yeah. And that's the thing too, of, of finding that, that line between, um, blindly following people, but also being open to listening. Cause I know a lot of people that are very just skeptical or critical about certain things and they just don't really listen when you can really, I don't know, just expand your worldview. As I was saying before, you can definitely learn from anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For anybody, everybody has something to, to give. I was just um, listening to uh, this interview like this really famous trumpet player, his name's Wynton Marcellus, but his dad was a musician too. And he was saying how, when he was growing up, his dad loved to talk to homeless people and like, and just like made friends with them, a lot of homeless people. And his dad was saying like, some of the most talented people in the world are homeless. So like for us, sorry, long story short, you never know who you can learn from. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's not, you know, judging the book by its cover, I guess. Yeah. Um, so uh, going back to the whole, like, a lot of people go to college for like a job or whatever it may be, or some sort of financial stability as a film major graduating college. What do you see yourself doing? Like, do you directly, you do just keep making movies? What do you do? Um, well within like, I guess the, the film industry at large, there's a lot of different avenues you can take. Um, and outside of, of graduating undergrad, I've really considered um, all this interesting of, of going into grad school or um, just going out and making stuff. Um, but for me, because I want to be like a director, a potential writer, but I do everything, editing, cinematography and all that stuff. I think it's really important for, I guess, people to develop a sort of technical skill like editing or something like that, that like, there's, people are always looking for editors to, for whatever content it may be. And so that's just a great skill if you're just trying to get a job and just like pay the bills and, and do that while you're working on like your more creative stuff. Like, cause like it is like a lot harder to do Like no one's looking for directors, you know, and in, in that broad, broad, broader sense. Um, but for myself, I feel like out of college, probably just going to start making stuff with the network of people I have around me. Um, and that's the thing too, of like leaving your ego at the door where I'm not afraid to also like, I don't always have to be in charge of stuff of being on other people's sets and working. Um, I know a lot of like interesting as production assistant, um, but whatever it may be, um, and just learning a lot through that, because I feel like it's another thing with like film or any art in general, um, like as a career path is that it's very difficult for I would say 90% of people to just like do that right from a very young age. Um, from a, because to me, I guess to be an, to be an artist, you have to have lived some life, you know, to, so that you can express in your art. Yeah, exactly, so, exactly. I feel like up until the I'm the age of 30, like I'm giving myself that sort of window to like yeah make stuff, work again, network more, um, but also just to re- like live and experience more. Um, probably out of you know the I thought about moving to LA or New York, but also other places too, like Atlanta, um, and just having a different sort of experience opportunities over there. Um, and a lot of great internship stuff too. Like, uh, it's not that hard to actually just look online and if you really do the research and dig and just work on your, your resume in terms of, of uh, building a repertoire of work and the, the skills, those crafts, like it's stuff you should just be doing you don't always have to show stuff if people what you're working on. 
as just as long as you're doing it for yourself, you know? Um, and being so young, you know, you don't have all that life experience to where you can express it in your, in your art, but how do you, how do you sort of just sit down and come up for, with ideas for making films? Oh, and good. what's the longest film you've ever made? I, I feel like that's an interesting question because, you know, you think of a movie and you think an hour and a half or something. Um, well, yeah, I guess, I guess um, a lot of questions there. So I'll start with the... Um, How do you get your ideas? Yeah. That one, uh, I guess, is the most versatile answer in that sometimes I'll just be inspired by watching other other work or movies and, and things like that. I'm like, I want to do something like that or just... Um, and that's the thing too. I'm like, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm like, I guess you call it a cinephile. Like I'm a, I'm a constant movie watcher and, and, um, I wouldn't call myself so much as a, a consumer though, because like, I feel like a lot of people, they just take stuff in the, like me, I, I digest it, you know, I really process it and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to ask you that because being someone who's interested in film, you sort of have an eye that catches something that other people wouldn't. Um, yeah. And I mean, if, but if the story is good, you know, I'm, I'm just like anybody else. I'm just, I'm just watching what's happening, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, I do, I do tend to watch a movie I really like anywhere from three to 10 times if I'm, if I'm really like just dissecting it and stuff like that. Um, but that's another thing too. Like I, I am pretty regimented and I try to watch at least a movie a day and just like, um, you know, building that sort of thing. Cause I think of it like something like, like a jazz musician, like if you want to be a great jazz musician, you need to know that, like all all the standards in every single key just so you can get up on stage and improv with everybody else because like there's a common language you know jazz and for for cinema you'd actually be surprised how many film majors actually don't watch that many movies i'll be talking to my classmates and be like yeah i don't watch that many movies i need to watch more and and um you know that's why we're there to learn all that stuff but um it's it's a uh, I don't know. You, some people just they just have it in them, I, I guess, in terms of, of wanting. And not to say that you need to be have seen every single movie to make something, because I know plenty of plenty of people who have seen everything, but they're better at working on other people's stuff than actually doing their own. So again, it's it's all about just how you apply those skills and, and knowledge. But going back to the question, um, yeah, sometimes I'll be inspired by certain things, but I think most often it's just sometimes. Um, I guess to be an artist or a good filmmaker, you just have to be a good observer. And, uh, and uh, I was actually going to say that about podcasting and stuff like that. You'd be surprised. I feel like I learned a lot more about listening than actually speaking, doing, doing uh, a podcast. But um, uh, what was it? No, yeah. So I, I'll just be observing everyday life and, and stuff like that. And like, like with it, fact, like fact is always uh, greater than fiction in terms of like just uh, great, interesting stories that are happening every day all around us, you know? when people say that their life is boring or like nothing, like some people, nothing interesting ever happens. I feel like that's a very like anti-human like thought because like, I think to be human means to experience drama and in, in, in whatever Definitely. it may be. But um, so just like being attuned to things like that and just drawing from like my, my life and my friends and my family's lives as well um, is just great inspiration. Um, and yeah, carrying things around like a notebook or even just on your phone, like voice memos and stuff like that. Just always, always I guess, take, taking notes of the world. You really just, it's not like you sit down and you brainstorm. It's something that you're constantly working on pretty much. You're always absorbing ideas and making observations. Uh, but 
Yeah, I, I was going to ask you that later about if you were like a, some sort of perceptive person when you watch your movies, because it's like a person who makes music, you know, they might notice different sounds or like layering and all that when most people just listen to a song and like it or not. Um, all right, now, now we can segue into something different. Maybe we could tap back into film. But you said that you also have an interest in fitness and you almost considered being a kinesiology major. Yeah. Um, um, so I grew up, about that. Um, I, I'd say like probably like since I was the age of eight to like 15 or 16, I was like pretty chubby, like overweight. I was probably like 5'2", 180 pounds, pretty chubby and stuff like that. And then, you know, puberty, but not just that. I really just like decided to make a change for myself in terms of diet and, um, and exercise. And I mean, I, I, I was on the swim team. And then I also exercise on my own too, as well, in terms of just like at home or just weights and stuff like that. And it really became a big part of my life. Like, um, I just, I love learning about it. And I think it's like a, like, to me, like, I know we have PE and stuff like that, but it does feel like something that's like, like a fundamental part of like, it should be taught like the same as like English or math or something like that. Like people should learn about their bodies um, in a more, I guess, I don't know. Like from a health standpoint? Yeah, like, I guess I, I never liked the idea that like health is just like one, one semester that we take or like peas, like you, uh, I should be like something continuous over your life because like health is something you have to deal with like for your whole life. I feel the same thing about art in terms of like, it should be like a part of the curriculum. I, sorry, a little bit of a tangent. Um, uh, apologies. I guess I should have started with that. Is that I do, okay, okay. I do go into a lot of tangents, but, um, <laughs> um, that's why I have, um, uh, Francisco here to help uh, reel me in, but um, I always I always was frustrated with the fact that um, in the school system, in terms of budgeting and stuff like that, um, fine arts were always the first thing that were cut um, because uh, to me fine arts are just as important as as math and science and, and English and stuff like that and in my experience some of the smartest people I knew were were in the fine arts you know. So um, it's really just not benefiting anybody, to me at least. But I agree to, with that. It's some sort of education for the soul, you know, that you're just not exactly. getting from hard math and science. It's, uh, it's, and I, I feel like fine arts almost go hand in hand with things like math and science. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, there's like, to me, there's a clear correlation between like, music and, and math in terms of the way that metering and, and, and numbers and tempo works. Um, and yeah, same thing with sciences. I feel like, like the way that like, uh, you can study and analyze and something like that you can apply to any, anything as well. The scientific method should just be called the method of life because yeah, the, it's the same things you do in, in music or film or, or yeah. anything is that like, is you trial and error, right? You're just figuring out what works and what doesn't. So um yeah but back to the whole fitness thing um i would exercise every day and i would read a lot and i would and and and, and um that like part of like being at clark and in amset program is that like i thought that fine arts was you know i was embarrassed that i kind of like wanted to do that instead of being an engineer or whatever like that so i thought that kinesiology was like a good segue away from that because i mean i i love math and science and stuff like that but once I took AP Physics, you know, things changed from there. But uh, <laughs> you know, it, you, it wasn't for you. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I just I think it's I think it's really important that that people educate themselves on that stuff and, and le learning their own bodies. You know, it's it's is is really important and it's um similar to what I was saying about like math and how I apply that. I feel like the the discipline that like exercise and fitness and nutrition teaches me i i is in, it's, i apply to other stuff as well you know and um uh yeah i just think it's an important aspect of uh life and yeah i i uh i'm no expert but i do i, I like to give advice and stuff like that or i'll work out with people and, and just and it's fun well, you've it's also done your research because you found that sort of interest in kinesiology or the health and and all that yeah yeah and that's the thing too um i've gone back and forth on this you know because with the internet information is so readily available but also misinformation and so that's really true. really really um finding out the truth can be difficult for you, and i understand that um but i think that like most things you just have to be open to um if you're really interested in, in, in finding out like just the, the facts and stuff like that. It's, it's, um, it's out there. Uh, I would recommend people, if you're really interested, like a good, a good intro, just go on YouTube, look up Athlean X, Jeff Cavalier. He's a really cool guy and gives a lot of good, um, I just like, in, like uh, informative videos and all sorts of stuff. I mean, I took an anatomy my senior year of high school and I felt like I had already learned all this just from watching his videos. So um, a lot of great resources out there, a lot of bad ones too. So um, just be careful, but um yeah, it's I've I've gotten advertisements on on uh like trainers and all that that try to tell you about your body type and you're eating the wrong foods. Yeah, I don't really buy into the whole body type. I mean, like a little bit, but more. It's just like, and that's the thing too. I used to be like that's what I'm saying. I used to be more like strict about like what I ate. I used to track like I used to like log everything that I ate, track my calories and my my macros and stuff like that. I don't really do that now because like I realize that like part of living life is that you have to enjoy like just enjoy and so um I think I found a happy medium where I work out about five days a week. And then uh if I'm not too busy, I mean I, I eat pretty healthy. I just at home and just and normal stuff. But if I'm given the opportunity to I will just eat out wherever with whoever if, if they want to um and just finding that balance is great um and i think that's the thing too like i don't like the idea of diets like because the perception of diets is like it's a temporary thing like you go on this diet to lose 10 pounds and then you're just gonna go back to doing it like no it's like a real lifestyle thing um so so finding something that you can impl implement forever is really important it's not just about losing the weight or anything like that it's it's about staying consistently healthy is really important and the good thing is that most if not all universities offer like a gym and training yeah, centers and all that. with your tuition too so take advantage yeah. of, of those those uh resources, resources. definitely at UNLV. can you still use that is that open right now um I don't believe it's open right now, but I did last year and it was great because yeah, the, the gym, the gym has everything you can think of in there. Um, uh, but they also offer like, um, like, um, fitness classes and stuff like that is like a Zumba class, a, a boxing class and like a yoga class and, and stuff like that. And those are all, those are all um, part of the tuition. Like they're technically free for students. Yeah. Um, you just got to sign up and go and, and, and great resources there. 
and I guess it's more related to UNLV, but I mean, in, in the health and wellness, like the, the fitness center, they also have an area with these massage chairs. It's like a full body massage. You put your whole body in there. And sometimes after class, I'll spend an hour in there just chilling, listening to music. So, I mean, great resource. Um, I'm, I don't know. I don't know if people are going to UNLV who listen to this or not, but sometimes I'm, I'm a little hesitant to share that because like, I just want it for myself, but hey, <laughs> um, it's out there. Yeah. If, if you go to UNLV, don't use that because it's reserved for Anthony. <laughs> um, another segue, third topic. Marine biology, which I thought it was interesting that you brought that up because we live in the middle of the desert. You know, we have Lake Las Vegas, but it doesn't really count. Um, how did you get into that, into the whole marine biology thing? Well, yeah. Um, so I guess a little bit more about me growing up. Um, yeah, I was really a math and science guy. Sure, I love movies, but I love math and science just as much. Um, it was really fun for me. Um, and to me, I really liked marine biology. Uh, it uh, growing up, I always had fish, pet fish and stuff like that. And I just thought fish were cool. I still do. Um, but uh, to me, like, I guess this isn't like a new concept right here, but like the ocean feels like, like this, like feels like outer space to me in terms of this, the, the mystery and discovery that can still be had to this day. Um, but yeah, just learning about marine life and, and fish um, were just, just like, it really interested me. Like, I mean, I have... I don't know if it'll show up with the that. fish tank. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to show with the green screen. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll, that would be a surprise for everyone to the end. That incentive, <laughs> I'll show you my fish tank if you, if you stay to the end. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, in, in junior high, I was in this capstone class and we all had to give like a 30 to 45 minute like research project presentation. I just did mine on fish. It was really fun and cool. Um, and to me, like part of the thing like I love about having a fish tank or and, and stuff like that is like the same thing, I, I guess people who like are into like plants and stuff like that. It feels very meditative in terms of when I clean my tank or just feed my fish and just watch them. Like I'll be in my room working on stuff and just having the break to like look at something besides social media. Like that's the thing too. I deleted I deleted my main Instagram. Um and I don't really I don't I don't use any social media really. Um and so just having something like that is, is, is nice. Um, I think that's something we can talk about too, because I don't really like social media. Um, yeah, and I know nature as, a, for a second. Yeah, as a content creator or whatever, you know, I know yeah. you're important in terms of building, I don't know, whatever, the cloud or whatever. But to me, I'd rather go about it a different way. I'd rather just like not have my whole life out there. Films were made before, way before social media. So yeah, yeah. definitely. So I get, I guess it's, um, I was going to mention this earlier. You said that a lot of people that do film, you know, it's not like you have to be an actor, you have to be a director, like there's editors and, or for, for podcasting, there's people that used to work on radio stations and now they're podcast producers instead. Yeah. Um, and that's definitely going to be big in the future because the amount of people that, I, I guess being a content creator on YouTube or whatever is, can be considered an actual career nowadays. Mm -hmm. And all these people need editors. Um, so that's definitely something you could, would you be interested in doing that and then pursuing film on the side? Not on the side, but you know, Simultaneously, to, yeah. sustain yourself with the, the editing job and then. Yeah. I mean, I've been editing since I was in, in, in middle school. So it's something I'm familiar with and I, I enjoy doing it from time to time. Not going to lie. I do enjoy editing my stuff more than other people's, but I have found it to be much, a much more rewarding process in terms of, 
I learned a lot more by editing other people's stuff than my own um, because I learned like what not to do or what works and stuff like that. But um, I mean, again, it's a great entry level job. Um, but I feel like a lot of times you have to also be careful because if you don't really have a passion for it, you, you might end up in a hole where like, sure you're doing a film job, but if it's editing, but you'd rather be a cinematographer, like shooting on a camera, you're not gonna be touching yeah. the camera a lot as an, in an editing bay. So um, there's a lot of different opportunities and, and stuff like that in terms of, you can even just join a guild, like the, the um, what is it called? The ASC, which is the American Society of Cinematographers. They have programs there too. They can teach you or, and stuff like that, or even the DGA, the Directors Guild of America. Um, they, I mean, there's, there's entry level stuff there that, that a lot of people do. And there's a lot of things besides like the, the head creative stuff, like being an editor or a cinematographer or a director or a writer, like you can be a production designer or a costume designer. Um, and actually I talked to my friends about this a lot too. Like there's a lot of stuff like engineering wise that like is, is necessary for film, whether it be just for the actual technology of a camera or like a, like a, a rig in terms of, of yeah. building some sort of elaborate thing, but also for, for, for set design too, there's a lot of stuff that goes into just making, making a movie. To me, filmmaking is, is not, is a, is like in a culmination and amalgamation of, of, life not just on the screen but behind the screen too in terms of the amount of 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 people you need dedicated to all sorts of different interests and passions to be working to make just one coherent um story or vision whatever you want to call it um but i guess that's, I, that's kind of a beautiful way to look at it yeah um there's yeah there's a lot of different roles that take place in making a movie um and try to make it I guess feel as real or impact you as much. Yeah. Spread the message, whatever it is. And uh, I, I know I've seen this about people at large, but uh, especially specifically for film as well. Like a lot of people go in wanting to be directors or whatever and realizing that they'd rather be a costume designer or something like that. So like going in with an open mind for anything is, is, is great. And I, and I've seen that around me too, where like a lot of people, they found their passion in another thing, but they're still like, that's the thing. You still got to consider yourself a filmmaker because like everyone, everyone is central. And that's the thing. Um, when I make stuff, I, like, I'm really grateful that I have the opportunity to make it with, with these people because I, I, I can't do it without them. And, and, uh, and you can say that about any creative endeavors just, or just life in general, just be grateful and appreciative of the people around you who are helping you do your, your, your whatever you, your, you want to do. 100%, yeah. Um, because they might not always be there. Definitely. And explain to me what exactly a director is because I, I enjoy watching movies and we've all heard of Spielberg and Tarantino and all this, but what do they actually do? Do they write a script? So a director, a director is a problem solver. A director is somebody who needs to have answers because essentially your job is from whenever you start to whenever you end answering questions. Um, uh, I guess a more easier answer is that like the director is the one that's like is the head of the production and he's the one or she, or she it could be anybody. That's another thing too. <laughs> um, and they're, they're the one that, uh, um, just needs to have that, that vision. Um, and they're the ones that are communicating with everyone else to execute it. So, uh, the director is just essentially the boss of, of the production where, uh, they're telling people what to do. But, um, in my experience, I found it better that if, in directing you don't just boss everyone around like okay you do this you do this and this it's more of a collaboration you talk to them okay so 
how do you feel about this? I have this idea, but what do you think? And, and as a director, I think it's like a thing where you just have, like, you seriously have to leave your ego at the door because at the end of the day, it's not about you or what you think it's about. It's about this project. It's about this, the, yeah. like, everyone is creating, is, 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 um, dedicate to making something bigger than themselves you know and that's how it is you know film is forever when you're making this thing you only have one shot at making it good so that's what i'd say like sorry a little bit of a tangent but in terms that's of okay. the difference between like film and theater is that theater is like this like ever evolving changing like thing where every night is, is a different experience but film you only have the one shot you know unless you do a remake in 30 years but even then it's 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 um it's very singular so um, going back to the, the topic of directing, directing is just um, mostly problem solving because um, I would say about nine times out of 10, um, the day won't go as you planned it and learning how to roll with the punches in a sense improvise um, is I guess an essential skill as a director and learning how to communicate um, your vision, your ideas is also really important. Like, yeah, you, you have to be a people person. I think. Like, I really like. You have to like working with others. Yeah, yeah, and and it's not even just with the crew, but specifically with the actors. Like, you you can't just tell an actor to cry. Like, you have to yeah. you have to work up to it. You have to, and and that's the thing where it's more making a collaboration. When everyone feels like they're contributing, it makes the the, the project much better, um, because. Um, there's just like this subconscious thing where everyone, everyone just tries harder. If you're just bossing maybe, them around. Yeah. Maybe this is an, an ignorant uh, comparison, but it's like with a, with a team in sports. If they're Girls, all feeling yeah. like they're working together. Now, I guess that's what, that's what you would, you would call the director. Like, I could say like director to me more like a team captain. We're like, I'm like, I'm in it with everybody else doing it. I just like, I, I happen to be the one that you have to ask questions to, okay. you know, but I'm exactly. same level, same level. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up theater because I was going to ask you, you know, as a film major, sort of how do you see the difference in between theater and film? And I, I didn't even think about how in a play, you know, you're doing it every night. And with a movie, you only get one shot. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of what marks the legacy for it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, do you enjoy theater as much as you enjoy film? What, what differences do you see? I'm much more of a film person, but I do have a, a deep appreciation for theater. Um, but to me, they, they really do feel like two separate mediums. Um, like the theater is um, the art, the medium for like the writer, like a, like a, 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 someone who writes for like plays. Um, it's, it's, I, I feel like it's much more fulfilling for them than like a screenwriter for a movie. Um, film is more of the director's playground. Um, and um, that's just because um, the director has more to say about what's going on because in theater once the play starts you know the director's just watching just hoping everything goes okay but in film right you know you have shots you have, you have scenes you have you have a whole schedule um um but it's there's a whole bunch of just like different little subtleties um in terms of like like acting and performance for theater you know it's 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 this thing it's theatrical it has to be big it has to be so that the person all the way at the, at the end of the theater can see you and, and feel you. But in film, it's like the direct opposite. It's all about subtlety, you know? Because in film, you have the camera. And that's the, like, the main difference. Um, the camera totally changed the game in terms of, I guess, live storytelling, recreating life. 
because um, in film, you can put the camera right next to someone's face. So just the, the subtlety of, of, of their eye welling up, you can, you can tell, you know, that's all you need. You don't um, really, and, and in terms of film theory, like I, like I really believe in, 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 in uh, film language and that like there, there, there's like the same way where like we study language, like in an English class, like this means something and represents things like the juxtaposition of images means something. If you, if you, if you, if you right. want to have the intent. Literary devices, but in film. Yeah. And so, and so having the camera as a third party, um, I think, I guess is obviously the, the, the biggest difference between film and theater and knowing how to use that camera because in theater, you're, you're watching everything, but in film, you're showing somebody something, you know? So yeah, it's like, it seems just to have a bit more intent, but no shade to disrespect for theater. It's great. Yeah. It's hard. And being in university, do you work with kids that want to be actors, for example? Yeah, I mean, I'm taking an acting class, but it's acting for directors. So like everyone in my class are like filmmakers, directors, but they're acting in other people's projects. Um, but I've also worked with um, other actors. Actually, I love theater actors more than film actors. Because like, I don't know, they, they, they just seem to have a different sort of way about them or passion or whatever it may be. And so it's much more fun to interact with them. But um, yeah, I mean, I've met people that want to be everything. And, and it's, it, that, that's what's inspiring to me to find people that um, are just passionate about what they do, you know? Um, uh, what was it? <laughs> I, I, I was going to say like, I, I know this sounds kind of bad, but a bit of a relief that if everyone wants to be a director, you know, it just uh, dilutes the pool. So knowing that other people, directors, costume designers, cinematographers, editors, okay, that's cool. I have collaborators. Yeah. But, uh, One thing that I've always, or not always, but sort of thought about is that all these actors and directors were those sort of uh, like weird theater kids you would see in high school, but they end up, you know, pursuing this passion and doing what they love. So who cares, you know? And so that's, you know, meeting those theater kids in college that maybe have are more emotional or whatever it is in their passion, you know, mm -hmm. more interesting to work with them. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 just, I never had that in high school, the theater experience, I was much more of a band geek. And so I grew up just around music people and, and musicians and stuff like that. And that's just a big part of my life as well. Could that also help with film? Because, you know, soundtracks or music, like let's say in a horror film or whatever, music does play a big role. So do you think being in band sort of gave you that an, another skill? No, totally. Um, I feel like I've learned actually the most about filmmaking from actually being a music person. And I'm glad that it came from a, like a different sort of art form than, than film um, because um, same thing like fitness and all that, like music taught me a lot of discipline and also a lot of collaboration because sure there's solo artists and stuff like that, but music is mostly a collaborative form or like whether it be band or orchestra or, or jazz or marching band, um, you're with other musicians and you all have to play to make this song together. Like, uh, it really is that sort of thing. Like a section is only good as their weakest player and, and, and knowing how to, to, to work as a team, like teamwork is like a major part of it. And just like basic things like playing a note in tune, you have to, you, in a sense, like, I guess in a more existential sense, you have to be in tune with your other players so that you can play in tune. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Understand each other. Um, 
but like certain things like i feel like marching band especially is essentially just filmmaking but with instruments because like there's very similar um tasks and the, the hierarchy of of uh leadership is is very similar as well i mean it's called a band director you know uh but um so I learned a lot from that. And um, I, I had a lot of leadership positions there. I was a section leader. I was a drum major, which is such a conductor of the band. Um, and uh, those are like skills that like, essentially like I, I, I feel a direct one-to-one -one correlation into what I do as a filmmaker um, or director. Um, but also just, yeah. Um, for me, band was just a great community. And stuff. Like, I, like throughout all of high school, I never ate in the cafeteria. I only ate in the band room. So just things like that too, just having a community of, of people that have similar interests is important in anything you're doing. Um, but uh, yeah, music is great. And uh, yeah, I, still have, I still play my instruments all the time. So that's another thing I took, like you don't always have to pursue it as like your career, but don't let go of like your, I guess, hobbies or whatever like that. Play, whatever it may be. Um. Maybe you can educate me more on this topic, but the film industry, at least from from an outsider's per perspective, has sort of changed. You know, like people used to go to the movie theater and Hollywood was a big thing. And now we have like streaming services and Netflix where you don't have to be in a movie theater and have that whole experience. You can just watch the movie from home mm -hmm. uh, and not be surrounded by an entire crowd. What differences do you think that's sort of gonna bring in the future? that's a good question well like we really are living in a sort of transcendent time when it comes to film and i go back and forth on this because i'm a big proponent of the theatrical experience um and sure i'm subscribed i have i have a netflix uh hulu amazon prime all that stuff is different but i don't actually really like streaming in terms of the, the larger implications for the film industry at large but, but regardless of hollywood just at large um because what it does is like similar to something like social media or something like that, where it's just so readily available and it's just so saturated, they kind of loses its impact. When you're in it, when you have, when you have to make the drive to go to a theater and you have to sit there in the dark with other people, but you know, be respectful and quiet and watch this thing. It's a different experience in terms of watching a movie on your phone or on your TV or whatever like that, because I guess, um, it also comes from the way I view movies and cinema is that like, I feel like on if you go on Netflix and you watch a movie, it's almost too easy to stop watching that and watching something else, you know? Like what I was saying before, it's just about consuming. It's not really about digesting. So now you're just, your people are just, in a sense, mindlessly going through whatever it is, whatever the new show or or the big thing that everyone talk, is talking about is. So I get really bothered by that. On the other hand, though, um, these are also great resources in terms of, the, the amount of films or just content at large that, that you have, that people do have access to. Um, but um, it's just a great resource uh, and, and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I just hold films. It, it's, it's sacred to me, you know, and it yeah. feels it loses its sanctity once it becomes. Um, and that's the thing. Like now we have, binge watching where you could watch an entire season of a show in in a day or in a week and it sort of loses its meaning you know you're just going through it you could even pause in between or you're just in bed 
Yeah. Where yeah. In, in a movie, you're sort of making the commitment in the theater. And also sometimes the crowd could could play a part. I remember when I watched Avengers Endgame and there yep. was that one scene. Like there's like to me, like to me it feels like going to church in a certain like it's like a religious thing where like everyone's there focused on this yeah. one. And like you don't even have to like look at other people, but like you feel you feel sometimes you can feel their emotions come out there if it's a good movie, right? But um what was I gonna say? Sorry, I just lost my train of thought. But um no, yeah, there's just like yeah, the theatrical experience is is is, is great. Um, I also, I mean, I have certain problems too, but like also inevitable in terms of, I don't like, like, I'd rather like actually shoot on film instead of digital and things like that. But I also understand that like digital is just, like much more affordable. And I mean, I shoot on digital because it's like, yeah, it's a great way to learn and stuff like that, but um, it's the future. Um, but there's just like certain things that um, like you have to consider like the fact that no filmmaker goes in to make a movie with the intent of people watching it on their phones. Like, you know, like it's, it's, yeah. it's like, I don't know how to describe it other than, hmm. I don't know. It's just, it's just a weird, it's, it's weird to me, but I just might also be a little bit stuck up about it, which I'm, I'm, I'm fine to admit. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, not the most educated, but I, I try to make my comparisons as someone who doesn't understand as much. But it's like what comedians are going through right now. Oh yeah, Where yeah. For a comedian, it's not the same to do a live stream on on YouTube or whatever than to be in front of a live audience, like mm -hmm. uh, doing a gig or at a bar or whatever it may be. Uh, and I guess it's the same with somebody who makes movies. You know, it's when you know that your audience is just going to be at home maybe pausing the movie or talking in between it's not the same as when you know they're all driving and paying and going to sit in this in this movie theater for two hours yeah um, i i think that um that's what i was gonna I, what I, I just remember i was gonna say before is that what streaming does is it also it promotes certain things to be made and others to, to not be made. And, and that's not, not, necess not necessarily a bad thing because with like things like Netflix or other streaming services, like they just want content. So they're just, they're just burning money, you know, just making so much stuff. Um, and so you get a lot of different like things and different perspectives and different stories, which is always great, always great. But at the same time, uh, you also get a sort of, I, I overflow of just generic stuff to just fill a quota in terms of um, there's nothing really being done here than making sure that people are spending more of their lives on this thing, you know, and that, that to me, that feels bad. But I also think about like, some of my favorite movies, you know, I've never seen in a theater, you know, so it's not to say that the experience is completely eradicated from not being in theaters, but um, I feel like it's just going to make it a lot smaller, the community or the, whatever you want to call it, the, the amount of people, that, that might view film as something more transcendent than as an escape for two hours, you know? I, I don't know why I feel like I have to mention this, but I just watched a movie uh, recently. It was a James Franco movie. I forgot the name of it, but it, it was, he was, uh, it, he was playing the role of Tommy Wiseau from The oh, Room. Artist. Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. And I was sort of thinking about that when you said like the whole theater experience where like people really meet up once a year to watch the room. It's like this sort of cult thing. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And that movie was, it was weird, but I liked it. I liked it a lot. I didn't even know that movie exists until then. Yeah, I mean, I have the room. I actually have a copy of the room on Blu-ray. Like, I showed it to all my friends and stuff like that. I knew about it way before The Disaster Artist. But I think yeah, yeah. The Disaster Artist is, 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 a, um, is a great film in terms of, um, same thing like with Rocky or like a sports movie. Like, it, like, it's like someone who has the passion for it. And sure, maybe they, not, they may not be good at it, but to me, a bad film is better than no film. And to really follow through with something is impressive to me. And, um, and yeah, I, I think it's another thing too. It's just like going back to like the whole streaming thing. Sometimes I feel like there's a lack of respect when it comes to watching something on streaming and just like they put something on in the background, but they're mostly on their phone or doing other stuff. And, and I'm not asking everyone oh, yeah. to just become cinephiles or whatever, but um, I, I think about this too in the larger sense of like there's something inherently – I guess egotistical when you start to put a monetary value to art. Um, and um, yeah. it's difficult because, you know, I want to make a career out of being an artist, but at the same time, that's not what I'm in it for. <laughs> so it's like this weird, exactly. thing to do. Um, but um, so it, cause once, once like an art, like thing, like uh, once an, a piece of art becomes essentially a product, and someone, I guess, rents or purchases it, or whatever. They can do whatever they want with it. It's not up to me, you know, the whole death of the author sort of thing. But um, it's a weird, it's a weird line to 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 toe in terms of. If it can become your career and support you, awesome. Mm -hmm. That's like best case scenario. But I guess when you are chasing your passion, like your drive can never be financial. Uh, yeah. It just kind of loses its meaning. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, being able to sustain yourself with something you love is, pro is like the dream, you know, for all people that create something of their own. And I was going to ask you this later, but I'm assuming when, when you like make a film and you spend days or weeks or months on it and you see the final product, that's a proud feeling when you're creating something of your own. Yeah, there uh -huh. definitely is like some sort of like end of... Uh end of production sort of like lift off or high you feel like ah finally finished it because like there there's there's plenty more times in the process where you feel like shit like i feel i'll finish the script and like oh god I'm, I'm never gonna write again you know and then then you go that through that by yourself but then you gotta show it to other people it's the most like embarrassing thing like in my entire life every time i have to show someone the script and then then you get past that like okay let's let's, let's just make this you know and then that's another thing too, in terms of directing and pro solving problems. I would also say that like most of the time directing, it feels like I'm just constantly taking L's and learning just like how to accept, <laughs> accept how to just like get past that and just keep on going. Cause like you still got to make a movie, even if you mess up, you know? So that's a whole process in itself. And then when you're editing it, you know, there's so much fear and anxiety going into the edit. Cause you're like, Oh God. And then you see your first cut. You're like, what did I just do? What did I just spend, you know, my life, like part of my life doing, right? And, uh, but then you work through it, you know? It's just, it's yeah. like, like a relationship. It feels like, it feels, it really does feel like a love affair where like it has its ups and downs, but if you're really committed to it, you know, you just, you just stick it out because you know that like <laughs> your, faith, your faith and the love for it is, is worth it. And then you finally get to the end of it and you're like, ah, you know, I did that. Relief, yeah. <laughs> We were talking about before like something like oh, i wish i was doing this or that just do it you know 
Exactly. Even if it's like I said before, bad movie is better than no movie. Obviously, everyone wants to make a good movie, but hey, things happen. Yeah. I mean that that's that's what I was gonna mention with the room. Like supposedly it's such a good movie because it's such a terrible movie. But, the, but that the, guy was really he like I don't know where he got the money from, but he poured his entire life savings into making that thing. Yeah, and it was his passion, and he made that movie. That's just insane. The Room is just an interesting movie in itself because uh, it's a movie where every decision made is wrong, but it's still an interesting decision, and it makes you laugh and just like, what is going on right here? So <laughs> it's, there's, there's that aspect to it too. But um, but yeah, that's what I was saying in terms of like. I don't know. I want to say I'm over apologetic, but like, I understand if like something like, like, I still don't like certain bad films, but at the same time, like, Hey, I know that a lot of people work really hard on this. And so I yeah. get, um, but, um, and, and I guess there's also like the, an aspect of bravery, you know, to put out uh, your creation out there. Um, yeah. And that's, that's I, what I, I was thinking I, about when you say that you're embarrassed by when you write a script or whatever. Um, but you know, you're still doing it. And you're gonna learn from others, and you're just gonna get better at it. Yeah, so. I think uh, I think not just artists, but everyone at large. You just gotta be brave sometimes, and and take that leap of faith, whatever it may be. I mean, maybe you have to, yeah, apply for a job, quit a job, relationship stuff, whatever it may be. You know, sometimes you just gotta, like I said, leave your ego at the door, finally be free. Um, and who cares what other people think never know what will happen exactly and you're always going to be more critical of yourself than somebody else so what might seem bad to you might actually be really good to the person watching or listening mm -hmm. uh, so maybe you experience that when you create something and then that you think isn't that good and then you show it to someone and they're like actually it's pretty good yeah you, you never know who will be watching you or your stuff and at any time. And you also know, you never know when your shot will come or how it will be. So just like, and I'm not just meaning like a, like, you know, a shot to like the top, but just in terms of opportunities for whatever, um, just being open to um, things uh, is, is just great. So many times all I had to do was say yes. And um, it opens the door. Great, great experiences and memories made by just doing that. But also learning. Yeah. It's also a very important skill in life to learn when to say no. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's actually been the difficulty for me of, of, of learning how to gauge a situation, you know. It feels like poker, you know. Um, so you were just saying, uh, like, when your time is going to come. What's your end goal with film? What are your, your biggest dreams with it? Oof. I mean, I have a few. I mean, obviously – to have actually made a feature-length film um, is an accomplishment all on its own. And so, yeah, to be a working director, filmmaker would be great. Um, but I also just have things like, I'd actually like to like, and I've talked about this with other filmmakers and stuff like that, like build a community within Los Angeles or just Nevada, you know? Because like so much, so much of it is concentrated in Los Angeles or New York. I mean, like, I, that's what I was saying. Like, I wanted to learn from, like, people in Atlanta and stuff like that because, like, there's actually a really big film community, like, in the south in Atlanta, like, Tyler Perry's studios out there, stuff like that. And so um, having some sort of, like, community film scene or whatever it may be 
in Las Vegas or just like, cause I, I have friends in Reno too. In, in Nevada, I think it would be just a great resource. It's not just, not just for me, but for filmmakers going forward, you know? And that's another thing. Um, like I take this, like from being a music guy, like, like the most like generous and giving um, artists I've ever met in my entire life were, were jazz musicians. But like, I've actually met like some of the greats, like, and like Arturo Sandoval or, um, and others. And they really just have a passion and love for it. And they just want to share that with people and, and, and have them have the same love that, that they have for it. Um, and I want to create the same thing for film because film very, like the industry does feel like this very standoffish, like clicky exclusionary thing. But if I want the preservation and the continuation of cinema, then a community needs to be made to promote not just my work, but, anybody who anybody's work who, who's really passionate about it you know so i have i have goals for that, but um yeah mostly just making films and and and, and um yeah I'm a, I'm a lover of just like film history as well so per, as much as i can do to just preserve um yeah what it means to me and i was going to mention that because well first of all i'm sure the industry is going to change a lot in the future you know you already have like cgi and streaming who knows what's going to come in the future? Like almost every day now, it's crazy. And and also, you mentioned before, uh, like when a school has to have lower their budget, like the first thing they cut is fine arts, and and they should arts should be some sort of like common core thing. Just like I think philosophy, I guess that's that's our biases, but I think philosophy should also be a class you take in, oh, in yeah, high like I, teach you how to think. Social sciences and, and critical thinking. Uh, we were talking about this before, but like specifically with like our generation, that really does feel like different in terms of the amount of like information and like how how well informed and knowledgeable we are, or even just how talented. Like everyone seems to have just some sort of like thing, but like no one really knows how to think critically about anything. Right. So you don't know what to do with it. Yeah, you don't know what to do with that sort of talent or, or hobby or passion. So I really I like yeah I I have views for that too in terms of arts, philosophy, and all that stuff. Hey man, get everyone reading Nietzsche in fourth grade. We have a <laughs> maybe not Nietzsche, but I, I feel like I'm um, but but yeah, you you talked a lot about preservation of film, and since you know STEM is like the next big thing, and we're cutting down on fine arts, cutting down on critical thinking, less people go into music and all these sort of uh, career paths. Uh, do you see a lot less people doing it in the future? Yeah, I mean, I go back and forth on that too. I do feel like it's changing where for our our lifetimes and maybe the past hundred years even, like film has been like the most innovative, like central art form. And, you know, like even in the past 30 years, you know, video, video games are even more prof profitable than anything. And there's all, all sorts of stuff. The technology is always changing and will always be changing. Um, and so I've had to come to the terms of the fact that like film will probably fall into the same category as most other art forms. I don't think it'll ever die out. And, and, and I feel like movies are here to stay, but it's already happened where like really realistically now, most people only go to watch Avengers or whatever blockbuster and they're not really going out there to check out whatever like little drama, indie film or whatever it may be is being made. And that's where like the real interesting stuff is going on. So um, I feel like there's almost a, like you can almost tie that with consumerism. Like 
Avengers is made in it, and then you end up buying a bunch of Avengers related stuff, whereas mm-hmm. you don't do with just a regular like indie film or some drama or just yeah, no, something that's not part of a series. Directly tied to that in terms of the way that um, the industry has always been this way, but has been essentially accelerated in its perpetual change towards super high profit margins. So that whatever yeah. gets the most money uh, is being promoted. And that always means it's the best quality of, of material, you know? And I love the Marvel movies and all that stuff, but you know, um, there's a lot more out there, you know, and, and movies, yeah. like sure, movies can be entertainment and escapism, but they can also be so much more, you know? And to people watching, what do you suggest? How do you find those movies? Um, it's that one is really is just easy as a, as a Google search, like a hundred top hundred films. Like I would recommend going to, um, the DGA, just look up DGA.com, I think, and look up their top a hundred films. Um, and that's a great resource right there. Um, you can also look at the IMDB list and stuff like that, or the BFI, they have an AFI, they have their own list, but, um, I would like, it's a little hard because I mean it's another like subscription service, but it's um, there's a foundation called the Criterion Collection, and they're really into film uh, preservation and, and foreign films and history and all that stuff and new films too. But great, great special features and just great a collection of films. But they have their own streaming service called the Criterion Channel. It's like seven bucks a month, but if you're if you really want to get into movies, it's a great investment. Um, but there's so much other stuff out there, and you know there's great things available. But um, yeah, also like. If, People who live in Las Vegas, check out Zero Records. I have a lot, of, like not just music collection, but their movie collection there is awesome. And just, just, just walk through the aisles. Like you'd be surprised uh, uh, at the, the titles you'd find. But um, um, yeah. Or even I feel like ask your parents or stuff. Like older people, like they've yeah, and like they might have movies that you never even heard of uh, in their in their recollection. So uh, yeah, and foreign films too. I, I, I've gotten that from my parents since uh, they're not American. So I'm sorry. What's some of your favorite movies? I like Spanish film a lot. Oh, really? Yeah. And I think they're in terms of comedy, they're great. Uh, there's, a, there's this one um, old, it's from the eighties. I can't remember the title of it. Um, let me see if I could find it real quick, but go ahead. Yeah. Continue, continue. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I went to Spain and I visited my uncle and he showed me a bunch of Spanish movies and I just fell in love with them because they're hilarious. And a lot of them are really weird. There's this one director called Alex de la Iglesia mm-hmm. and he's like the Spanish Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, really edgy movies, I guess. But, you know, being exposed to things other than, you know, Hollywood, I yeah. guess uh it's different or like even you've i've even watched some like bollywood movies and those tend to be like three hours long and they're a whole musical drama comedy all in one it's crazy (laughs) i couldn't find the title of it but um yeah there's actually some great spanish comedies but um that's cool and foreign film is great I, i i actually i love european film and and east asian film um that's more my cup of tea like um 
like when I started like looking into things like the French New Wave and uh, and uh, Ingmar Bergman, so like Swedish filmmakers, really changed my mind, like blew my mind, and and the way, changed the way I viewed cinema. But also just like um, Korean and Japanese and, and Hong Kong filmmakers like Wong Kar Wai, or uh, recently, recently I've been seeing a lot about like Korean film being really good, and I guess that sort of that movement sort of started with Parasite. Yeah, I mean Parasite is great, and it, everyone should check out Parasite, but. Um, but there's more out there. There's definitely more out there. To me, actually, like Korean, the like Korean, like I would call it the Korean New Wave cinema movement. Like it's, that's been happening, like probably started in the late '90s up until now. It has some of the most interesting stuff coming out of, uh, of it in terms of like the whole world, like movies that they're making. So mm-hmm. definitely check out some stuff. Like like there's great stuff. Like check out Old Boy, um, the host from Bong Joon Ho, who's the guy. Who I was, that's crazy. That you, is Old Boy. That well, is it like a horror or it's like a thriller movie? It's like a thriller action revenge type of movie it's it's a bit i was just i was thinking about that i was like boy i remember seeing something with boy uh, old boy is a fun one uh, but yeah i, I uh, and there's, there's all, all sorts of stuff too like even even recent stuff so like parasite was great but there's one this one called burning from uh, lee chung dong which is a great just like slow burn like thriller it's on netflix so you, if you, there's this other one called the handmaiden from Park Chan-wook, who's the guy who directed Old Boy, and that's just a great one. Um, uh, again, a bit of a revenge tale, but um, they, I just love uh, I love what's coming out there right now. It's very interesting stuff, and it's very it's it's, yeah. it's a new and uh, and a bit crazy, which is which is cool to me at least. Oh yeah, yeah, different culture, different upbringing, uh, different film. And last question about film. You were talking about how, like, for example, a company like Netflix is really just pumping out content for people to watch. But there are, like, Netflix productions that are genuinely, like, really good. Like, yeah. Bird Box went big. Uh, I, that's just, like, the first Netflix movie I could think about. Black Mirror is great. Uh, do you see that replacing it with, with the quality that they're putting out there? Replacing just, like, Hollywood or? Like, do you think... Netflix could eventually make movies that are put in theaters. I mean, they already are like, um, for them, like, so Netflix has like two pet, like two distinct things. Like they're, when they make original content and stuff that's directly like made for the streaming service, which is essentially that like they gather from the algorithms of like, Oh, a lot of people watch this. And that's why Adam Sandler has this big deal because like a lot of like they, from their data, people like to watch Adam Sandler films. So they made a big deal with him to just make them directly for Netflix. But then they will also do this thing where um, they will give a whole bunch of money to distinguished filmmakers who make great stuff um, to make stuff for their platform, but they also get a theatrical release as well. So um, just last year, I think you had like three or four good examples like um, the, um, the Irishman, which Martin Scorsese made for um, Netflix. That would be um, really with, good. Yeah, that that one that one and but then they play in theaters for like three or four weeks, and then they go straight to Netflix. Um, Marriage Story from Noah Baumbach that was really good. Um, there were a few others last year I can't really remember, but they've been doing it for a while now. Um, but uh, I wish they would do more things like that instead of. And I also like I I like TV and like yeah, Black Mirror is great um what else stranger things is cool game of thrones <laughs> stuff like that but um you enjoy movies more i i like movies um 
because it's like a, a singular experience, like an in and out thing. When I watch a TV show, that's like a 12 hour to like a two week commitment. If I'm being yeah, watching, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a long time. And sure, you get more character development and stuff like that. But sometimes it just feels like, I feel, I feel this way specifically about like documentaries. I don't like documentaries that are like 10 or 12 episodes long. You really could have done this in like maybe two to four if, if you were mm-hmm. good. So like, it's it just, just feels like it runs on. It's a different medium. It's a different medium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, are, I, I don't like how, I say it's bad, but like people are treating it like the same. But you got to understand that these, like the way these people tell stories are different through these mediums. Um, but yeah, it, it does seem like that's another thing too. Like movies are going to, to the side um, theaters are going to the side, but TV uh, is is really in its golden age, and and that's not a bad thing. Like there are genuinely great um, television shows being made right now. Um, it's just uh, for me, it feels like there's so much out there being made. Um, in a sense, put it to an exponent, just exponentially a lot more because instead of like a two hours of like 10 things that are two hours long you have 10 things that are 20 hours long so it's a, right they have commitment commitment issues but that's and the, sometimes like as they make more seasons it seems like they're just running out of things yeah to, you know, to put out there it, it puts it puts a strain on creators as well because maybe maybe some creators they, they, they found their their their, their stick and they just want to do that for the rest of their lives but i feel like a lot of them like after a few seasons or a few years they want to move on to the next thing but they can't because they have to make this certain, this, whatever it may be. For their fans or whatever it may be. Yeah. That doesn't just happen in, in TV. It happens in, in movies too. When, you, when people keep begging for sequels and stuff like that. And so it, and that's the thing because sequels make money. So it gets a lot harder for people to make original stuff or just even this mid budget stuff. It always has to be what's being made. But uh, yeah. Yeah. And to sort of end off the episode on, on a different question, because I am very interested in like the social issues that were bring, being presented with and whatnot, uh, like reforming the education system or social media, especially, which is what I was going to ask you about. What sort of led you to deciding that you were just going to delete everything? Um, well, I just found that it was very counterintuitive to how I wanted to live my life. I found that... Um, I would, like most people, you want to just like take a break for 10 minutes, end up turning to an hour of just scrolling through whatever. And it felt very mindless. It felt, it felt like, I felt like I was getting dumber being on it, you know, but I was, but the, the, the scary part is that I felt like I was being, I, I felt like I was becoming okay with becoming dumber. Like, eh, that's whatever. Cause everyone is right. Um, but realizing that like, no, like in a sense, the choice to, 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 to do these things, you know? And really, because like, especially for things like, I, to me, like Instagram feels like the most dangerous one because I feel like that's the one that's mostly used and, and, and seems like the most leisurely one. But I felt afraid to get rid of these things because of like things like people would message me and, or contact me through the, only these things. Or I felt like I was exposed to more contacts for, through these things. But in reality, it wasn't really helping me in any sort of way. Um, right. I also felt like the social aspects of it of i felt like anytime i went out with people we couldn't go one hour without someone bringing out their phone to check whatever updates stuff like that 
And that just goes to larger, like humans are addictive creatures. It's just part of our our human nature. So if it's not that, it's going to be something else. And it used, I just actually thought about this recently within the past month where I used to get really bothered by that, where like people, they don't really know how to deal with things because they're just too obsessed with being on their phone or like when something, when, when they do become in conflict, conflict with someone or some sort of situation, their, their, their first instinct is shut down and go on their phone. But then I realized that, I mean, maybe that's just also part of just life in the human because maybe before phones, you know, it was something a bit more dangerous like drugs or alcohol or, or cigarettes, you know? Yeah. Cigarettes. Big it, one. <laughs> maybe phone is a little bit better than cigarettes, but to me, to me, phones are so, no, specifically social media, those like cigarettes of your mind. And I, and I think I, I'm very optimistic, I guess, and hopeful in my view that it really be, will become something like cigarettes where like, we'll get to the point where like, like sure it's still out there, but like no one really smokes. Or we understand it. Accepted, you know, um, to, and, and, or uh, definitely to see the positive sides that it's like transformed into something that's not a cigarette transformed into something that's positive and, and connects people. But yeah. I don't know, being someone who enjoys film, I, I'm sure, you know, like in older movies, they always have cigarettes in their hands or something. Honestly, that's the thing too. Cause like, it's a funny thing where I like, when I say, I really believe in like the idea of like a film language and like, in like film theory, like the, I, the juxtaposition of certain images will cause you to have certain reactions. So like, I feel like it is one thing though, like in my head, I think it's been ingrained that like cigarettes do feel like this very cinematic thing, like wh- whatever it may be. Um, and I guess bridging that over to the social media thing, having this overexposure to just images or ideas or information, sure, on one hand, it may be good, but I also feel like it's detrimental to the way that we view things because we become either more desensitized uh, to whatever graphic stuff is, are, we're looking at or just desensitized to information at large where things just move at such a fast pace where nothing really matters, you know? So getting off of social media really does feel like a like weight lifted off of me mm-hmm. um and uh and i i do i i encourage everyone to do it maybe you don't have to delete it all but like really just like set limits and restrictions for yourself because i think that we live in a world that 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 rewards instant gratification so you have to set those those disciplines for yourself and i think yeah. that it that actually gives you greater rewards in the long term of when you do use those things or whatever it may be, may be. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's, I think that social media is bad and that it's ruined our perception, but I'm, I'm uh, hopeful. I'm, I'm hopeful. And I know that it, it, it's not, it's not meant to do those things. It just is right now. So hey, things can change. People change. Everything. Well, like, changes. You said, like you said, at the very beginning of the conversation, there's a lot of information out there and we're, blessed for that but there's also a lot of misinformation and maybe that's why social media has kind of gone to crap yeah i mean and there's certain things too where like it really is just a change to the way the world is run i mean like it seems like we can't go a day without getting sort of political news through things something like twitter you know that's that that's the source twitter is the source you know so it's it's crazy yeah that was kind of the wake-up call for me and social media when Twitter was in completely political, I was like, no. I mean, it's not like I was disagreeing with the political views that were out there. It's just like too much, you know, and there's more to life. Yeah. 
I mean, and it, I go back and forth on certain things like that too. Because like, to me, for like, I really like philosophy and stuff like that. And I feel like philosophy is everything. But for most people, they don't want to get existential all the time. They're just trying to chill. Yeah. And the same thing about politics where like, sure, you don't want everything to be political. But in a sense, everything is political because everything kind of has some sort of underlying message, whether it's there or not. I just feel the same way about film. Like when you see an image and like that shadow means something. And sure, maybe that was just an accident when they're shooting it, but it means something now because it's on camera. It's in film. Right. So I guess it also really comes down to whoever's patient enough to really break down these sort of things. Um, I think about, I guess, branching off of social media in terms of just Silicon Valley or big tech at large and, and the ethics behind it, where it feels like a lot of things are just because we can do them doesn't mean we should. Uh, so yeah. I really do think that... Uh, that's another thing that, that also needs some sort of, of uh, reform. Reform, yeah. And it may be just as simple as having an ethics board of, of critical thinkers, philosophers, and stuff like that. Like a new age of, 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 of people Definitely. who are, are thinking about the larger implications of, of how this will affect the world because they really are. Like there's so many things out there that seem to be affecting the world that pretend that they're not. And that's, that really. And, that, and that's why uh like as we mentioned earlier why having like fine arts or philosophy classes is so important because it gives you that like humanistic side you know where just math and science doesn't give you it and when people go into big tech or silicon valley they need that ethical education too mm. and i feel like it's lacking that right now and you can tell with the decisions they make yeah. um also i i get kind of sad or frustrated too because there is a bit of a problem with, with higher education as well in terms of there's this, I've noticed this thing too where not that it's been like sold, sold, sold out or buy, bought out or anything, but like the competitive nature of academia at large, I think has become a bit of a problem in the way that people are too, I don't know the right word is is too persistent in being right where they can't really accept different ideas. And so it becomes a place that is uh, not about um, discovery or promoting things. It's about putting things down and that's just a lot of negativity, you know? So there's, there, there are also changes that need to be made to academia, I guess, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's what I was saying before, but like, uh, what we've been talking about. There's a lot of information, a lot of misinformation, and sure, listen to everybody, but um, you use 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 that common sense. Think. Yeah. Ask think. questions. Ask questions are a big thing. I, I I read this book over the summer, and it talked about like how recently, especially, there's a lot of like fine arts people or philosophy or literature majors that are landing jobs in the technology industry because uh, they're you know they're discovering that they need that human side um so yeah i think that's a good note to end the episode off uh definitely know a lot more about film than i did an hour or two hours ago which is great and i feel like this is what these conversations and podcasting is all about uh, how much we can learn from other people. And like you're saying, you know, someone, you can always learn from someone else and, and listening and being able to put that out there is a big thing. And, and you had a podcast of your own, right? Yeah. Yeah. My, 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 
my co-host, he moved away, so it's been a little tough. But we talked about <laughs> the bag and stuff like that. But um, podcasts are great, um, and that's another thing too. I mean, like, the sh- I guess the shift has already happened. I mean, we were talking about the whole idea of theaters and movies and all that stuff, but it seems like the shift has been made already from radio to podcasts. So things happen, but maybe it's for the better because I love podcasts. So yeah, guys, check out more podcasts. And if you have, if you have, if you think you have a good view on on or an angle on the world or certain subjects, start your own. There's no no, no harm no harm in doing that. A hundred percent. Anybody can do it. You just gotta start with everything. It's like exercising, changing your diet, making a podcast, reading a book. You just gotta start. Yeah, um, more people should read as well. That's another. Read. Yeah, reading is a big thing. But I feel like that's something our generation doesn't have because we have phones and it's that instant gratification that we seek. But thank you for coming on. This was a really good episode. Uh, and I hope you keep up the film because the, the fact that you love it this much is awesome. Like it's inspiring to see that. Uh, and hopefully see you do big things in the future and carry that on. Uh, yeah. And, and we'll have you back on when that happens. So we can talk about that. All right. Thank you guys for watching. If you made it to the end, like, subscribe. I don't know. I don't, do whatever you want with it. Uh, and Fish tank, fish tank. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fish tank, fish tank. That is, that's the reward for making it to the end. See? <laughs> Be in touch with nature. And, yeah, have a beautiful day. Peace out.